I recently began taking a class in concert production, taught by a man named Marky Ray. When I first saw Marky Ray, he was dressed in all black and rocking an Einstein hairstyle with gray and black hair sticking up in every direction. I knew the class would be interesting, but I never guessed how entertaining it would be. I'm Ryan Bone, and this is the Bonecast. Today on our show, we learn how Marky Ray joined the Jim Rose Circus. In case you don't know, the Jim Rose Circus is a modern-day sideshow. Its website describes it as a mind-bending thrill ride, a journey rife with misunderstood, mysterious, and idiotic achievements and exploits. It explores, and sometimes exposes, the difference between man, monster, and dumbass. A few of the bands they've toured with includes Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, Korn, and Godsmack. The circus has been featured on The Simpsons, and, for those of you familiar with the SSX series of video games, Simon is voiced by Mr. Rose. It's been a while since they've let me come out to play. (laughs) In any case, they're a pretty mental group that does its best to shock and revolt, and yet, Marky Ray found them to be something of a family. I give you Marky Ray. (laughs) I thought I'd play you a video of us live in Madison Square Garden, just to kind of show you the show. This is when we opened up for Nine Inch Nails on the Downward Spiral Tour. So I'll preface this with a little bit of, to kind of give you an idea of some of the stuff we did on this. Now, um, when I joined the circus, originally, I just gotten off the Butthole Circus World Tour in 1993. This is December of 1993. We were on that last U.S. Nirvana tour that I was telling you about. So we finished up in Seattle with Nirvana, did those last shows with them, and they destroyed the stage and everything, you know, pieces everywhere. And the funny thing is about that uh, is I told you about how I collect things. Well, when we were on that Nirvana tour, every night they brought out these these rows of, uh, there's a piece of wood, and embedded in a piece of wood were all these flowers. And the flowers were used in the heart-shaped box video. So every night the stage hands would take that off stage, and like all these flowers would fall out of it, and they'd throw them up. And I'd go through the trash and I'd be picking them up. And people are like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I'm preserving history. You know, and people are like, you know, they're like looking at me like I'm Looney Tunes. Well, now those things are sitting in a vase and sort of, you know, in my curio, my curtain, my cabinet of all this rock shit. And it's like, here's some Nirvana flowers from, you know, the R.J. Box video. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff I, you know, used to do out of the road. But uh, now when I was throwing the butthole surfers, I was on that tour too. It was crazy because I was production managing guitar teching. In Canada, I had a tour manager, as I told you before, when I was on my 30th birthday out there, because our tour manager couldn't go into Canada because he had a pot bus against him, so he couldn't do that. So I'm, I'm, so I'm touring, I'm teching, I'm, I'm production managing, tour managing, playing guitar with them, and doing all the other production management stuff, like, like uh, shipping and receiving, sending gear back and forth to where it had to go, because this was the end of the tour. Remember, at the end of the tour, you have to send your gear back to from wherever it came, which we'll talk more about. But uh, so we finished that show with the, the Bottle Surfers and Nirvana, and Jim Rose comes up to me that night, and he's like, hey, Zenny. Well, this is before he called me Zenny. And, you know, Marky Ray was, he was, hey, Marky Ray, and he knew me from Lollapalooza. He's like, you know, let's go. Um, I need you to, uh, I need a tour manager for, for a European tour. Would you like to go? It starts in two weeks. We're going to Scandinavia. I'm like, okay. Now, this is the middle of January, 1994. If you've ever been to Scandinavia in the middle of the winter, it's like four hours of gray, and then midnight, like, like you know, it's the midnight, it's, 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 the, it's the opposite of the midnight sun in the summer, you get four hours of sunlight in the winter. So we're traipsing around Norway, Sweden, Finland, Copenhagen, in the middle of the winter, doing like, you know, a show here, like we, got, we flew over 
Like I flew right from Cleveland to Copenhagen, or right from Cleveland to Seattle, and then to Copenhagen with the circus and started our tour. So um, when I first joined the circus, like I said, I was just tour managing. I was doing, I was tour managing, I was settling the shows, uh, getting the money, and running sound. Uh, front, of, front of house lights, which is very minimal, and sound, and it was really more, no more than four channels. It was really uh, uh, the Enigma for keyboard, two keyboards and the drum machine and Gibbs voice. That's all I had to mix was four channels, so it really wasn't a big deal. So when we started, when we were in, the, we were in, in Finland, we, we toured all the way, we played in Stockholm, Sweden, and we played in, in uh, I, I told you the Billy Gibbons story tonight. That's that, that, that one? Okay. Anyways, uh, when we were standing in Stockholm, Sweden, you know, where, where I'm mixing a show, and we were hanging out with ZZ Top, because I knew Billy from, from Lollapalooza and other people, that friends of mine that had toured with him. So I'm mixing, and, and, and Billy Gibbons comes up to me, and he goes, hey, Marky, turn down to the Enigma's organ. You're scared him. <laughs> I'm like, oh, crazy. You know, okay. So, and Billy Gibbons was, like, a really funny guy. I mean, he's, like, way into guitars, so we used to sit around and talk about, like, matching fans and weird guitars. He'd take his glasses off and clean them and kind of tell me stories about Joe Joe the dog face boy and stuff, you know, and <laughs> hanging out with him. And, you know, he's a really funny guy, real sweetheart. But uh, So we, we, we played all these dates all over Scandinavia, and we got to Finland, which was the last dates of the tour, and Jim comes up to me, he's like, Jenny, you're Marky Ray, this is before I call him Jenny. He goes, Marky Ray, I know you really want to be a, a, a performer, player. I know you're a frustrated guitarist who's been in all these bands and stuff. I, you know, and, and on this particular tour, Matt the Tube and uh, the, the, the Torture King were leaving the circuit. And uh, when the Torture King and Matt decided to leave, Jim had just uh, Mr. Lifto, uh, the Enigma, BB, and himself in, in the fold. So uh, he needed other people. So he's like, listen, I'm bringing in a rubber man from Idaho. I'm bringing in a knife thrower from Chicago. Let's dream up an act that you can do, and you can be part of the circus. And I'm like, okay, where do I sign? You know? so, so we get back to the States. I fly out to Seattle, and we start putting a show together. Okay, so I'm like, well, what the hell am I going to do? So Jim and I go down in the basement of this club called Mo, which was a club up in Seattle that we used to rehearse in. He's like, well, let's try out a few implements. So uh, yeah, I had a bed of nails laid out, and we had a bed of swords. And I laid on the bed of nails. I was like, eh, I don't like this too much. And the bed of nails, the bed of blades looked that much more impressive because they were big swords. And I was, I'm a big guy, so I was like, that looked good. You know, it was like, that was a good look. So I was like, I want to do that. I want to lay on the bed of swords and have the cinder block broken on me. You know, so I'm like, kind of hesitant. I've never done this before, you know, but I'm like, I'm up for the challenge. So Jim's like, come on, Zenny, just do it. You know, and the reason he kept calling me Zenny was, that, that was my name. I had an old name in the 80s in the band called uh, Death on a Stick. I used to call myself Zen Master. So when I joined the circus, it made perfect sense to, like, revise the name. So Jim started calling me Zenny, which was short for Zen Master. So they like, Zenny, come on, come here, lay, lay over here. So I lay down on this bed of blades, and he put the cinder block on me. He's like, hold your breath. I'm like, okay. And he just goes, whack, and he hits this thing. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, it breaks. And I'm like, I can do that, you know, and it, it hurts so bad. What really hurts is, is the tightening of the solar plexus. When, when, when you tighten your solar plexus, your, your gut, and the thing breaks, what really hurts more than the whacking of the of the of the the sledgehammer on, on the cinder block is when the cinder block breaks, it shatters, and those the edges are really sharp, so it cuts your sides, and that's really what fucking hurts more than anything else. <laughs> now you get you now I got to tell you, you get an endorphin rush like you wouldn't believe. Are you guys familiar with endorphins? Endorphins are the morphine painkillers in your and you have in your brain. Like if you cut yourself and you hurt yourself, that's what your body says. Hey, I hurt. Ow, you know, boom, it sends dopamine from your brain to your 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 muscles. And that's exactly what happened to me. I was, uh, you know, uh, you lay on a bed of swords, you're getting the pain from the swords, and then you put the cinder block on and it breaks it, and you're like, 
wow, I could, I could grow to like this. <laughs> you know, so so uh, you start doing that, and yeah, you get addicted to the, the endorphins and the rush of doing it. So, like, what happened with the circus was, okay, I had an act, but then we had to put together a musical act with the circus. So it was like, well, that became the ultimate freedom for me, because here's a guitarist, and I love all sorts of music. I mean, there's really no one form I dislike strongly. I mean, you know, I, I grew up listening to classical. I'm not a huge modern country fan. I think it's kind of slicked up rock and roll. I can tolerate it. You know, my daughter loves Taylor Swift, and actually, I like Taylor Swift too. You know, <laughs> you know I, I really do. And I, you know, and I like I like some of the Miley stuff. You know, my daughter listens to all that stuff, and you know, yeah, I, I can appreciate pop for what it's worth. But uh, you know, in the circus, it was like vaudeville, jazz, theater, rock and roll, uh, circus music, and uh, cartoon sound effects. So it was like the greatest thing was the Enigma myself. Enigma played keyboard, bass, keyboard, and we had a little drum machine, and I played guitar. What's not to love? So it was just the two of us and working with Jim's banter, as you'll see in the video, which I'll show in a second. But uh, Jim has this really uh, amazing uh, gift of gab. He's this great, he can say something and make it really fucking funny. You know, he's a really great frontman. And his thing is to pull out the best in people. That's one thing. Even as a producer, like when I'm producing the slab band, I'm, I'm up there trying to pull, pull something from there. Here, give me this, Will. Give me this, you know. Give me a good basing. Or put, put a seed in their head, like, you know, do this or do that. You know, like uh, we were recording last semester in the slab band, and I asked one of my singers, I said, channel CeeLo when you're singing this. You know, <laughs> I mean, whether he did or not, you know, he still gave a great performance. But, I mean, that's the kind of thing Jim Rose is really good at doing with the circus. So... We, Enigma and I would back up Jim, we would do the music for Jim, and he would do his banter while everybody did their stuff. Everybody in the circus had their own music, everybody had their own intro a little bit, so it became a running set, but it was like, you know, that would be like, a, you know, intro, uh, BB, uh, Ladder of Swords, and then it would be, you know, Marky Ray, Better Blades, uh, Chinese Execution, the Enigma, blah, blah, blah. So that's what you're going to see in this video. The thing that is cool about this particular video, though, is this is when we were at our peak. When I'm, I'm telling you about when we first started, when we first started this tour, we started it in January. And when we started it in January, we were all new. We, we had, none of us had really worked together. I mean, Jim and Bibi and a few other people in the circus had worked together before. But those of us who hadn't had to kind of get in here. So we woodshedded or got our act together by touring the U.S. on a C-level and B-level club tour. Now, you may be, what's a C-level and B-level club tour? Well, the A-levels the a of the world, the A-level clubs are, you know, your, your New York City, your Boston, your Philly, your Detroit. Unfortunately, Cleveland isn't in there because everyone passes us by. It, it really is sad. Chicago, San Francisco, et cetera, et cetera. The major cities of America are A market. Cleveland is now a B market, bordering on a C market. Akron is technically a C market. But those are the things that I'm talking about. So we went out and did the, the Santa Fe's, the Tucson's of the world. Um, the Banffs, if you know where Banff is, it's uh, outside Whistler in British Columbia. It's in British Columbia, so it's a little, a little south of Banff, but I mean, of, of Whistler and all that, but it's in the general vicinity, it's in British Columbia. But those kind of places, you're playing like, you know, Chilliwack, BC, you know, traveling across Canada, a Toad's Place or something, you know, those kind of things. Those are your sea level markets. So we woodshed it on a US tour for three months, and then we flew to Australia for a month, and we did a whole month in Australia, okay? So we got really good. We did Australia television. We went, you know, all the way from Sydney, all the way, all the western side to Perth, all the way, you know, all the way down the coast, all the way over, flew over to Perth, played there, came back, and 
We flew right from Australia to Edinburgh, Scotland via Seattle. So we flew from Edin we flew from Sydney to Seattle to Edinburgh, Scotland. Spent the next month in Edinburgh, Scotland performing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 1994. If you've never been over and you're not familiar with the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is one of the oldest, most prestigious festivals in the world. People from all over the world come to the Fringe Festival. It's in beautiful Edinburgh, Scotland, which is one of the most ancient and beautiful cities in the world, like spirits emanate from the streets. It's, a, it's just the most unbelievable place you'd ever want to be. And we played, and believe it or not, in Edinburgh, there's uh, this place called Calton Hill. And what Calton Hill is, it is an extinct volcano. And on top of that, they built a necropolis at one point. And the funny thing is, it's just the facade of a necropolis. It's not even a full necropolis. It's literally just the front part of a necropolis, and it sits on Calton Hill. And that's, called, that's where they actually have shows. And for our particular show, they set up a circus tent in Edinburgh, Scotland. So we had an enormous circus tent to play in it for a month. And we would play six nights a week, and on Saturdays and Sundays, or on Sundays, rock and roll bands would play, like The Fall and uh, American Music Club and the Average White Band. So I went to go see all these bands and stuff, which was really cool. So we would play, and, uh, and on other nights, they'd also have comedy. And some nights, they'd have an early show, and then we'd play, and then there'd be a later show. So there was different acts. But all over that town, Edinburgh, during this month, there was literally thousands of shows and thousands of venues around the city. So it's a really incredible place. So when we were over there performing for this month, we got a call from my old buddy Trent Reznor, who was touring on the Downward Spiral record. And we were like, Jim, when Jim got the call and said, Eddie, we're going to be going out on the Downward Spiral tour with Nine Inch Nails. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so we flew from right from Edinburgh to Muncie, Indiana, and joined the Downward Spiral tour. Now, people used to laugh and think I was Asian because I used to slick my hair back and put it in a ponytail. I used to actually, people used to actually ask me if I was Asian, which I thought was funny. Then they used to ask me if I was related to John Belushi because I was the biggest he was and wore my hair like an Asian. So, so this is, uh, I'll bring you this guitar and show you sometime. This is a guitar also made out of nine-inch nails pieces. In an earlier class, Marky Ray told us about his time as Trent Reznor's guitar tech. Whenever Trent would smash a guitar, Marky Ray would trudge out on stage with a trash can to pick up after Trent. Occasionally, he would use those pieces to create Frankensteinian guitars, some of which Trent smashed again, others Marky Ray kept. Um, before my act as Zen Master, I sort of took on the Japanese, I wear a sumo belt and a, you know, a literal Japanese kimono. So I played the part, you know, and I adapted, come on. So this is a this is a December 8th, the 14th anniversary of John Lennon's death, uh, 1994, Madison Square Garden. Now what you're seeing behind me, that's an enormous video screen. The enormous video screen shows a low angle of Marky Ray from a cameraman in front of the stage. You can just catch trailing images around Marky Ray as the Super Hi-8 captures its own feed on the screen again and again. Imagine if you're in the 2000 row in the back of the venue, you're not going to be able to see the small ship we're doing on stage, hence the video camera. So this is Jim's wife, Phoebe, and those are the swords I'm going to lay on in a minute. But she's going to walk up these swords. We see a woman in a black translucent shrug and black short shorts climb a peculiar ladder. Unlike most ladders, this one's rungs are each composed of two swords. The man 
whose voice you can't quite make out is Jim Rose. He is shirtless, lean, and has a crazed look in his eye. The next spectacle is... That's what I first laid on that very board. It's all physics. I mean, you can't lay on one nail, but you can lay on a thousand nails, right? In case you didn't catch that, Jim Rose just revealed that he will stand on top of his wife while she lies on the bed of nails, and she's going to do it topless. Still at the top of the ladder, she whips off her shrug, revealing nipples covered with black X's. Hey, if it's your wife, if she'll let you exploit her, more power to you. These are all real stunts. Uh, there's no trickery involved in what we're doing. These are all real, by the way. You just have to learn how to do it right so you don't hurt yourself. And believe me, we got hurt plenty of times. I still have, I have four bulging discs in my neck from doing the stunts you're going to see in a minute. The stunt Marky refers to is balancing a honeydew melon on the back of his neck, where it is then chopped in half with a machete. I gotta tell you, it's really fucking hard to balance a honeydew melon on your neck. <laughs> Following that, we are treated to the human dartboard, where Jim Rose's wife throws three darts into Jim's back. They stick and hang from the flesh around his shoulder blade. Next, we get to see Marky's cinder block routine. These are heavy, don't let anybody kid you. And in Britain, they're solid. They're not, they don't, they're not called breeze blocks, they don't hold them. You gotta stack two of them like that in Britain. The sledgehammer goes up. See the cup on my side? That hurts like hell. The video continues, and we see several more thrilling and sickening displays, such as scorpions dropped into performers' mouths, and razor blades being swallowed and brought back up tied together. One performer takes a coat hanger, puts it through his septum, takes off his coat, and places it on the hanger. He also lifts luggage with a hook through his tongue, and hangs a cement block from a chain connected to his nipple piercings. One of the most impressive stunts is performed by the rubber man, who takes a tennis racket without strings, places it on his neck, and proceeds to put his whole body through it, eventually stepping out of it. After the video, Marky tells us about other performances. He put a blowtorch out on his tongue. Oh, man. I tried that once. It's like something like... It's like, it's like you, you, you can't build up enough saliva to put the damn thing out, you know? It's like it's a fucking blowtorch, you know? It's really hard to learn how to do some of those stunts. Well, Enigma and Katzen used to do all sorts of stuff. When I used to work with the, the circus, Enigma, uh, Enigma used to do, um, he used to do a, a neon tube. He'd swallow a neon tube, which is really dangerous. I mean, one, the electricity, two, the glass, if that broke, it would severely, it would kill you most likely instantly. If it didn't electrocute you, it would most likely, you'd, you'd choke from the glass breaking. He had to have it, like, double-dip coated in plastic, just to even fit it down his throat. And it was too big to almost go down his throat. He had to really expand his throat. No, it was a neon tube. It was more like it was neon, but it was built like a sword. It was really like just a long U-shaped sword, and it was encased in plastic. Katzen used to do the meat skewers through arms and then light them on fire and stuff like that. And it was just crazy. I mean, you know, the knife up the nose, the scorpion in mouth. Katzen also used to do. She used to uh, pop a balloon with a whip and, and uh, 
and a nickel is called a balloon in his mouth and she'd pop it with a whip. And one day we did that and he got hit right in the face with a whip. And I mean, he had a, he looked like the Joker. He looked like the Joker from Batman. He had a welt going all the way up his face. It was really scary. So it's like, that is not to be fucked around with. I mean, it's like, like they say, don't try this stuff at home, you know? I mean, and we were doing this stuff years before Johnny Knoxville and all those guys. I mean, years and years before all those guys made that, made that stuff famous. And, and granted, we were just carrying on tradition because there was people who were doing this years before we were because that was entertainment back in the old days, you know, Coney Island and all that stuff. That's what people did, you know, before there was, I mean, P.T. Barnum was doing this in the 1830s, 1840s, 1850s and stuff. If you ever read about P.T. Barnum, he's a really fascinating character as well. One thing that was really cool about P.T. Barnum that a lot of people don't realize is he paid his people really well. Uh, a lot of people think, well, you're circus people, you're a huckster, you're, you know, oh, they rip people off. Well, P.T. Barnum was a pretty stand-up guy. He, was, he made people like Tom Crumb, and uh, there was a famous Swedish songbird named Jenny Lind, and he was paying her $1,000 a night in the 1800s. Now, that's the equivalent today of about $100,000 a show, but he was paying her $1,000 a show to come play uh, shows, you know, in like, in where she was. She was called the Swedish songbird Jenny Lind was her name, L-I-N-D. But he paid her very well, and which is really interesting because a lot of people think, you know, oh, circus life is mostly hawkster stuff. But a lot, truth be told, a lot of them are very family oriented. You know, a lot of people. I mean, I really felt like one every animal enjoying the circus, and it was my family for a long time. Right, it was really great. It was a great way. We went all over the world and met all sorts of people. And the cool thing about the circus is we could play with anybody. We could do any show anywhere. And we used to just blow people away. I mean, the man, Marilyn Manson, I said, used to open up for us. They used to worship our, at our feet. They thought we were like some yogi mystic or something. You know? you know, I mean, what we did was really cool. It was a lot of fun. But, I mean, it was, you know, it's, it's nothing original or amazing. But at the time, and in the time of popular culture, it was a really cool thing because people had, it had grown old, almost like tattooing had 25 years ago, and then it came back, you know. Like when I, when I was touring with, you know, in the late, in the late 80s, uh, <laughs> like 1989, you know, 1988, 89, that, around that time, you know, we'd be out on the road and you started to see the black clad masses coming out, you know, the tattooed throngs, as I like to call them, and that was a really cool time because, you know, in the late 80s, it was, it was all hair metal, except for like, you know, you trudge out on one of these tours and you'd end up in some like weird outpost in the Oregon or California and you'd be like, where did all these people come from? And it was, it was really cool. And especially when Lollapalooza happened in 1991, it was like, that was the only tour that year that made money. Every heavy metal band tour, it was like Warrant and all these yeah, bands touring. Motley Crue, Tricks, and yeah. I actually worked for them once. Actually, I actually toured with this band called Bow Nasty one time, and they were open, they were a horrible, a horrible, like, broke metal band, and they were, they were opening for Loverboy. So I did like two shows with them, and I was like, <laughs> I, didn't, well, I didn't play with them, but I, I was doing merchandising. I was selling t-shirts. I mean, that was just nice. But I mean, that's, the, the circus stuff was really cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. And that's it. That's how Marky Ray joined the Jim Rose Circus. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Bonecast. I hope to put out one a week, focusing on one or two topics, depending on what Marky talks about in class. However, some weeks we don't have lecture so I don't know if I'll be casting a pod during those weeks. I'd like to thank Marky Ray for providing us with these great stories and Cuyahoga Community College for offering recording arts classes. I've got one last little anecdote for you that didn't quite fit in with the theme of today's show, but I thought it was worth sharing. That's some fucked up shit, man. You get out there in the winter and it's like black ice on Colorado highways, man. It's like... <laughs> you know, the, the air.
Oh, oh, I mean, it, I was on a Warsaw tour, and we were driving, we were, we just played Boulder, we were on our way to a show in Minneapolis, and we had a 48-foot box truck, a rider truck, and it dumped um, on black ice in Colorado, we had to cancel the rest of the tour. But, but imagine finding your buddies, like, strewn in the snow. They were okay, but they were, like, you know, strewn in the snow, like, I'm like, holy shit, you know, is it all right? You know, picking up your friends, okay, I'm all right, you know, Boston, but I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just crazy.